Thanks for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange, visit www.theexchange.cc. Um, today we're wrapping up a five-part series that we've been in called Now What? Um, and the goal throughout this series has been really simple. It's just been, been talking about what does it look like? How do we put things in play to have a growing relationship with God? That Jesus didn't call us to an event for 60 minutes on a Sunday, but he called us to a growing relationship with him. And so whether you're kind of new to this whole idea of following Jesus and having a relationship with him, or maybe for some of you, you've been following Jesus for a long time, uh, but your relationship with God has maybe kind of grown a little stagnant. Then over these five weeks together, we've been talking about how to put things in play to take those steps to follow Jesus um, with all that you are. And so over these few weeks together, um, we've been reminded on uh, one, how to define the relationship with Jesus. So we started that week one, man, where do we even start with putting our faith and trust in him? Um, And then week two, we talked about the power of fellowship the power of koinonia, uh, doing life together, not only with God, but also with others, that we need other people in our life to help us walk out this journey. And around our house, we like to say that you weren't meant to do life alone. In fact, you can't do life alone. And so we've got multiple opportunities um, for you to connect with large groups and small groups of people um, within our family to grow and to build a relationship. And then over the last couple of weeks, we talked about the power and the importance of scripture. And then last week, we talked about prayer and, and how God has opened the communication lines with him to know him in a living relationship with the living God. And so all those things are essential. They're big parts of knowing God and having a relationship with him. And so today I want us to add one final command and calling of God's word. um, That's an important part of following Jesus. And that is the call to baptism. To baptism. Now, I realize that when we say the word baptism within the context of the church and our Bible Belt culture, uh, man, it's really easy um, to have a lot of different thoughts and a lot of different ideas because we come even into this room today just at 10 o'clock with a lot of different backgrounds and maybe a different uh, places that we were raised. And so we have a lot of different formulated ideas about baptism. So here's what I want us to do today all right, in just our few minutes together. Man, my ask of you, and, and I'll try to do the same thing, is that we would approach this moment with open hearts and open minds. Um, Not to listen to what I got to say to you today, but hopefully to listen to what God's word would communicate about the next step of baptism. All right. And here's what I know in our culture, uh, especially the Bible Belt culture, uh, we have a lot of ideas about baptism and we connect baptism, that act of baptism. We connect it with maybe a certain denomination, especially kind of gets tied to the Baptist denomination. But here's what I want us to see today. That baptism isn't a denominational thing. All right. It's not a Baptist thing. It's a biblical thing. It's a biblical call that Jesus lays out in his word. And so today, I hope that you'll dig in, follow along with me. If you have a copy of scripture, open up to Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3 in the New Testament is where we'll be. And if you don't have a hard or digital copy of scripture, then we'll put the verses on the screen behind me. Um, And so let me just kind of say this from the outset as you sit and listen today for the next little bit. um, Here's maybe where I hope that this lands on you. Um, For some of you in the room, uh, maybe many of you in the room, you've come to that place of taking a next step of trusting Jesus and then walking that out through baptism. And so here's what I would say to you. All right. The next 30 minutes isn't for you to check out. Here's what I want you to do. Man, I hope today that as you hear this truth, that it would remind you, that it would encourage you about the step that you took, and then maybe you would even glean some of this truth to take it and help somebody else and encourage someone else who may be considering taking that next step of following Jesus in their journey, okay? Now, others of you in the room, today you walked in maybe with some real questions, maybe you've never taken that next step, maybe you've always wondered like, okay, I really would love to have kind of like a one-on-one, all right, and this is not a one-on-one today, but I want to make it as informative as 
as possible, as clarifying as possible, so that you would understand if you walked in with questions today, man, why does this even matter to my relationship with God? Why do we even talk about this? Why does the church do it? All right, so we're going to go to Luke chapter 3 in just a moment, uh, but before we jump into our passage today, I want to give us a brief background on baptism, on the word baptism. Um, The word baptism comes from the original Greek word um, baptizo. Everybody just say that together. Baptizo. All right. Thank you, all four of you. Um, It's fun. You should try it. Uh, The Greek word baptizo. And here's what that original Greek word means. It means to wash, um, to plunge, to soak, or to dip. Um, That's what this word is meaning in Scripture uh, many different places. It's translated a lot of different ways. Um, And many times it had no religious meaning for a long time. Um, So the original Greek word baptizo in a lot of places was interpreted simply as to wash. Um, to wash. So one of those instances is in Mark chapter seven, verse four. Um, Look at it on the screen. It says, when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. Now, Jesus here is not saying that when they come back from Kroger, they need to be baptized. All right. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying when they come from the marketplace, that they need to be washed. So this is one of those instances, many of those in scripture where the word baptizo simply means to wash. So the question in this moment becomes, well, how did this fairly regular word become so significant and have so much meaning, especially in our faith journey of following Jesus? So I want to spend just a moment, kind of help that make sense. If you know the narrative of scripture, you know that before Jesus was in the picture, there were two distinctly different groups of people. There were the Jews and there were the Gentiles. Um, The Jews were understood to be the people of God, to have the favor of God. The Gentiles were not. The Gentiles were not. And so Gentiles began realizing that the Jews served and worshiped one God. And the Gentiles began asking, well, how can we become a Jew? We want to serve. We want to worship. We want to know the God of the Jews. And so at this time, the Jewish leaders begin to put into play a list of things that Gentiles could do to become a Jew, to know the God of the Jews. And so here's a few things that were on that list. Um, first is circumcision. All right. There was a little surgery for males and we'll just park it right there. Um, number two was a covenant meal that reflected the Passover. Um, a third thing was acknowledgement of the law uh, that they could submit and begin to memorize the Mosaic law. Um, a fourth thing was sacrifice. We see that throughout the Old Testament. And then the fifth thing was a ceremonial washing, which represented uh, this cleansing themselves of their Gentileness, kind of cleansing themselves of the old way of life to step into Judaism and follow the God of the Jews. And so this term that Jews would use for this ceremonial washing was the word baptizo, right? It was the word baptizo translated as baptism. So this word began to be used to describe the washing that a Gentile would go through to become a Jew. Now, fast forward a little bit. In uh, the year 30 AD, a guy by the name of John shows up into the picture. Um, And John begins preaching a message to Jews to say that God's getting ready to do something really special among us. And so it's time for us to get right with God. It's not just enough that you are a Jew, but you need to take steps to demonstrate that to God. And so John begins preaching a message that we'll look at in a minute. And John goes down into water that is nearby. And John begins doing some form of a ceremonial washing to the Jews. And those who witnessed it described it with the word baptizo. 
All right? They used the word baptizo. The people understood. John wasn't just washing off their dirt, okay? But he was doing something much greater. They carried greater significance. And so John was given the name John the Baptist, and the word baptism began to take on the significance and the meaning that it carries today. And so in one of these moments, one day John is baptizing people, and Jesus walks up. And I want you to see what happens in this encounter in Luke chapter 3. We're going to pick up in verse 21. It says this. It says, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, you are my son whom I love. And with you, I am well pleased. Now, Jesus steps into the water. He wades out to where John is baptizing people. And Jesus says, I'm next. I'm next. Now, there are other recordings of this uh, exchange in Scripture where it goes back and forth between Jesus and John. And Jesus and John kind of get into this argument where Jesus is like, no, you're supposed to baptize me. And John's like, "Uh uh-uh, you're Jesus. And Jesus goes, no, you're supposed to baptize me. And John's like, "Uh uh-uh, you're Jesus. And and here's the lesson from that. Okay, always do what Jesus says. Just always do what Jesus says. John finally gives in and he baptizes Jesus. And so in this moment, we begin to see a recording of that in Luke chapter 3. And I believe out of this experience, we we kind of pick up three really foundational truths about baptism that I want us to all come around together in our time today. All right. And so here's the first truth. If you're taking notes today, the first truth about baptism is that baptism identifies you with Jesus. Baptism identifies you with Jesus. Now, on November 8, 2008, um, my fiance at the time, Heather and I, um, stood before God and all of these witnesses, and we exchanged vows, and we became husband and wife. Now, as a part of that uh, ceremony, we exchanged rings with one another, as you've seen done in some uh, ceremonies before. And so Heather gave me a ring, and I gave her a ring, and we did that. We said, hey, we're going to wear these as a symbol, an outward symbol of our devotion and relationship and commitment to each other. And we want every Everybody didn't know that, so we're going to wear them from this day forward. Now, I want you to imagine for just a second, okay, um, that I got home from the wedding ceremony, and, and I got home, and I, like, took off my ring, and I was like, hey, babe, really, thanks for the ring. Appreciate that. I like it. Um, but you know what? I'm, I'm just going to leave it on the dresser um, because I don't really know that it's, like, that important. I mean, it was good today. You know that we're married. Um, I know that we're married. There was a few people in the room today. They know we're married. Everybody else, I think they'll probably figure it out. I mean, we'll hang out a lot together, um, but I just don't think it's really that important. No. How, how do you think that would have gone with my, my brand new wife of less than 24 hours? Let me just answer you. Some of you don't know my wife, okay? Um, I would have been lucky to sleep inside on night one. That's how, that's how that would have gone down. Why? Because that ring then and still to this day, it carries great significance for us in our relationship because it symbolizes some things. It symbolizes that I have a relationship with her that is different than every other relationship on earth. Um, it, it symbolizes how special she is to me. It symbolizes that I take joy and delight that I'm honored to be Heather's husband. There's weight in that. It identifies me as her spouse. You see, that's the first truth about baptism, that baptism identifies us with Jesus. Um, We're baptized not just because Jesus did it himself, but we're baptized because it signifies that we're a follower of Christ, that we have a relationship with him that we don't have with anyone else. It signifies that we take joy and delight 
than being known as a follower of Christ and a child of God. And so baptism is that picture that signifies this relationship, this identity together. Baptism also identifies us with Jesus because baptism is a picture of the gospel. It's a picture of the gospel. Baptism is a snapshot of the hope that we as believers have in Jesus. Now, we use this term gospel, but it simply means good news. And so what's the good news? Well, the good news is that we were all sinful at birth and we separated ourselves from God, but yet that God loved us enough. He was a good father and he came, he sent Jesus, his son on a rescue mission for us. And that Jesus stepped in and Jesus went to the cross for you and for me. And on the cross, he wore our sin. And then he put him in the grave and praise God, it didn't stop there. But after three days, he kicked the door open and he walked out victorious, not only over sin, but also over death. And so that's what baptism signifies. It signifies um, this turning point for us that Jesus has become Lord and Savior of our life. And so when we're fully immersed in the water and put in and raised back out, it's this picture of the old us being buried to be raised in a, a demonstration picture to be raised to a newness of life, a new relationship with the living God. And so here's what Paul would say in Scripture. Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Paul says, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, that we too would live a new life. So baptism's a picture of the gospel that our old life is buried and that we now walk in a new life in Christ. And because baptism is a picture of the gospel and the burial of old life, we believe that baptism is set aside just for believers. Just for believers. For those people who've come to that place in their life willingly and obediently to, as we say in our house, to exchange old life of sin and self and separation from God and they've exchanged that for a new life of trusting Jesus and surrender. And when they put their faith and trust in him, they begin that relationship that is then demonstrated in baptism. Now, in Matthew's account of Jesus' baptism, um, Matthew gives us some details of John the Baptist's message that he was preaching. All right? And all of you would have liked to go gone to his church because you would have been out really, really early for lunch. All right? Here's John's message. Repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. There's got to be more than that, John. No, repent and be baptized. And John preaches this message over and over. And what the word repent means, if you're not familiar with it, just simply means that there would be a turning, that, that we would be going one way, that we would repent and turn to change the direction of our life. Not a 360, all right? That would be going the same way, a 180. And what John is saying is this, is he's saying that when there's a turn in, a turn in the direction and purpose and plan of your life, that that would be followed with baptism. So that's why as the church, we call it believer's baptism. We call it believer's baptism. Now, this means something for us. This means that as a church, we don't baptize babies. 
Okay? There are some denominations, there are some churches um, that baptize infants. And maybe some of you in the room today, we've had a lot of people across the house today. Um, maybe for you, there was a moment in your journey where you were baptized or sprinkled as an infant. Okay? And so let me, let me just talk to that for a second. Um, I'm sure for you, that was a very significant day for you and for your family, um, where your parents stood with you before the body of believers, the church family that you were a part of, and they said, man, we want to raise our child in accordance with God's word in connection with God's church, in accordance with God's plan for their life. And it was a powerful, significant day. And, and I don't discredit that. You probably had a lot of family that came. And there were a whole lot of pictures that were taken. All right, if you were a little girl, you wore a whole bunch of like little frilly outfits. And if you were a boy, like you wore things that you'd never want to be caught dead in. This is what mom and dad did, okay? But like, it was a powerful day. But can I say something to you? Ultimately, that was a decision that your parents made and not you. Okay, that was a decision that your parents made and not you a great decision that they made. We want to raise our kid in this direction, but ultimately it was not your decision because for you, you didn't really understand the gospel. You didn't understand the power of baptism. All you knew was that somebody sprinkled some water on your head. Okay, but for you, you could not celebrate what you did not really understand. Now, as the exchange, um, for some of you who are brand new to us, every Mother's Day, we have something that we call family dedication, where we give an opportunity for parents to stand before our church family and to go, hey, we want to raise our child in accordance with God's word, in connection with Jesus' church, in accordance with God's plan for their life. And they stand, and then we as the church go, man, we agree, and we're with you, and we want to help as we teach them in preschool and little life, as we raise them in kid life and student life. We want to walk alongside of you. It's a powerful day. It's a really cool moment to see. But we intentionally call it family dedication and not baby dedication because it's really for the family and not so much for the baby. It's especially for the parents. And we meet with all of these parents to help them understand that this is not salvation for your child. This is a powerful day. This is an obedient thing to do, but it doesn't equal salvation for your child. So as a church, we celebrate those families who vow that, but as a church, we don't baptize anyone until they're old enough to understand the gospel, until they're old enough to understand baptism, and until they're ready to make that obedient step. So baptism before you're saved, if you think about it this way, baptism before you're saved is kind of like having your funeral before you die. All right? It just doesn't make a lot of sense in the order. But perhaps the greatest misunderstanding about baptism in our culture is this, the belief that baptism can save you. Okay, I drove by a church building not too long ago, and out front there was a sign that says, baptism saves. All right? Or you can turn on the radio okay, on your favorite station, and perhaps here, Carrie Underwood belted out. There's something in the water. Right? I'm not going to sing like Carrie, but there's something in the water. Can I just be honest? Okay? There's not anything in the water. All right? there's not, but he, listen to me. There are some, there's some groups that would teach that, that baptism would bring salvation. Now, let me highlight it a little more. For us, we begin to understand that Scripture teaches that it's not baptism that saves you, but it's your faith in Christ It's the beginning of that relationship that brings that salvation moment. And I want you to see some places in Scripture. Don't just take my word. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified or made right through, what's that word? Faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We begin that relationship. We're reconciled. Ephesians 2 verse 8. Paul says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through, what does it say? faith. This is not from yourselves, but it is the gift of God. 
So scripture is very clear that the only way we're saved from our sin is not by baptism, but through faith. Our faith to believe that Jesus was who he said he was, that he did what scripture said he could do, and that the payment on the cross and the victory through the grave, that it counted for you. That's faith, to believe that. So salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, but it's not an act of baptism. Okay, now listen to me. However, Scripture says that the the next obedient step in the progression is to take a step of believer's baptism. In Acts chapter 16, um, if you're familiar with Acts, we read a story where Paul and Silas are in the middle of a prison cell. They've been thrown in jail um, for teaching and proclaiming the good news of Jesus. And about midnight, all right, they break into a, like a Gaither gospel scene right in the middle of the jail cell. Some of you are like, who's the Gaithers, all right? It's okay. You're in a, in a Gaither gospel scene right there in the middle of the jail. And God responds to their worship by sending an earthquake to shake the jail. And it shakes the jail so badly that all of the prison doors come open. Now, can you imagine being the jailer on duty at that point? All right. <laughs> Scripture says that the jailer sees what's happening. He realizes he can't control it and he prepares to take his own life. But Paul steps out and he stops him. And in that moment, Paul and Silas, missionaries thrown in jail, had the opportunity to teach this jailer and point this jailer towards the Jesus that they are worshiping and serving. And scripture says that this happened, that the jailer, not only does he trust Jesus with his life, but it says he and his whole household respond. How powerful. And I want you to see what happens next. Okay, we're talking wee hours of the morning. Look at this, Acts chapter 16, verse 32. It says, then they, meaning Paul and Silas, they spoke the word of the Lord to him, to the jailer, and to all the others in his house. Verse 33. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and he washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. Do you see the progression there? The jailer and his family heard the truth. They believed and then they were baptized. They heard and then they were baptized. They heard and then they were baptized. See, baptism is a step of obedience in salvation, but it's not a step of obedience for salvation. However, Jesus valued baptism so much that not only did he do it himself here in Luke 3, but he gives us a very direct command as the church. Okay, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Look at it. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and teach my truth to all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In other words, Jesus didn't just suggest that people should be baptized. Jesus commanded that people would be baptized. He says, wherever churches are planted, wherever my truth is taught, wherever people choose to follow me and they accept my teaching, have them identify with me in believer's baptism. Okay? So the first truth today is that we would identify with Jesus in baptism. Now, look back at Luke chapter 3 and uh, read just the first portion of verse 21. It says this, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. All the people. In other words, there were a lot of people there. Like it was a public thing going on and Jesus was baptized in that moment. And here's a second kind of foundational truth is this. Baptism is a public declaration of your personal transformation. Baptism is a public declaration of your personal transformation. We said it just a moment ago. Baptism's a demonstration of the inward change in you. That when there's faith and trust in Jesus and the relationship begins, that baptism becomes the response of that. 
Choosing to trust Jesus is a personal decision, but it's not intended to stay there. Okay? Jesus died publicly so that we might own and declare our faith in him publicly. Matthew chapter 10, verse 32, lays some of this out. It says, whoever acknowledges me, whoever owns and identifies with me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Verse 33, but whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. I mean, I absolutely love being a part of baptism celebrations here at the exchange, and we've seen God do some incredible things over the last five years as we've seen over 130 people take that next step of believer's baptism. Um, But one of the most powerful things, a part of that day, is that as this family, we actually share the stories of the people who are taking the next step of baptism. I mean, so we share stories of moms and dads and students and children and grandparents and single adults, and we share their stories. It's a declaration of God's faithfulness to so many different people. And sometimes we share the stories of former addicts and high school dropouts and divorced adults and good church-going people that were raised in VBS and a wayward teenager and elementary students and a struggling parent. And it's all these different stories across all these different platforms, but they share this one thing in common that they've been rescued by the grace of Jesus. It's a beautiful picture. And I love the opportunity uh, to get to meet with a lot of people that we baptize um, before we put them in the water. And here's the thing that I always tell them. I always tell them this right here. I say, on the day that you're baptized, you will be the best preacher in the room. You will. I'll say, I'll, I'll get up there and I'll talk about God's word for a little bit. But man, people check out on me. They won't like me. They'll fall asleep. They'll hop on Facebook. But man, when, when students... And moms and dads and single adults and grandparents get into the water and they declare the goodness of Jesus through the telling of God's transformation power in their life. Man, it connects on a real life level. It connects on a real life level. And I've seen God use so many baptisms in our house, literally, to bring about the gospel change in other people's lives. And some of you are those people. You've heard a story, and you connected with it, and you said, if Jesus can change them, then he can change me. And it's the power of the good news of Jesus that baptism is a public declaration of your personal transformation to say, I've been healed. I'm new. I'm redeemed. I'm forgiven. Man, I'm not who I once was. I once was dead and lost and gone, but I've been rescued, and I'm new, and I'm whole in Christ. And I'm just letting all of you know publicly today that there's going to be some things different about me because there's something different in me, and his name is Jesus. That's what happens in baptism that it's a public declaration of a personal transformation. But the truth is today that if you say, man, I've trusted Christ with my life, and man, I want to know a relationship with him. I'm trying to walk out some of these now what next steps. But you go, I just don't know like I'm ready enough for baptism, okay? Man, I say this with all grace, that perhaps you've never really fully grasped the power of what Jesus did in you when you trusted him in faith and you began that relationship. Because he took you from dead and lost to found and alive forever. And there is nothing more worth celebrating than that right there. So baptism, it identifies us with Jesus. And then we realize that baptism is this public declaration of a personal transformation. Um, But I want you to look back at verse 22 one more time. It says this, And a voice came from heaven that said, You are my son whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. So here's, here's the picture. 
as Jesus comes out of the water, God the Father speaks into this moment. I'm talking about there's an audible voice that is heard but not seen. All right. And if we would have been on the scene, all right, a lot of us would have been flipping out. All right. Like, I mean, I'm, who, who's talking here? OK, I hear him, but I don't see him. And, and this like this was a tweetable posted on Facebook, Instagram, snap that kind of moment. If they had it, it would have gone viral. I'm just telling you, because for one of only three times in all of Scripture, God, the father speaks to earth in an audible voice. And as he watches what his son Jesus does in obedience, he says, this is my son whom I love, and with him I'm very pleased. He says, that's my boy, and I'm proud of him. You see, here's here's the third truth about baptism. Baptism reminds you who you belong to. Baptism reminds you, and it reminds everyone around you, who you belong to. Um, some of you may know Shay and Chase Campbell, who are a part of our exchange family here, and they have been since almost the beginning. Um, Chase and Shay are really good friends with my wife and I and have been for a long time. And um, man, this past week was a life-altering week um, in the Campbell household um, for a long, long, long time. Uh, Chase and Shay have longed for a child of their own. And they've been through trials, and they've been through tests, and they've tried, and they've heard doctors um, look at them and say, like, it's really a slim to zero chance that you're going to have a child of your own. And man, it's been an incredible, incredible testimony of faith and perseverance to watch them trust God and then have bad news and trust God and then have bad news and persevere through it. Um, But the beginning of this past year, man, the Camels got the news that, that Shay was pregnant with a baby girl. And this past Wednesday evening at 9, 11 p.m., little Palmer Cole Campbell came into the world, a little less than an eight-pound, healthy little girl. And um, and my family and I had the chance to go see her and meet her and visit with Chase and Shay the other night. And man, Palmer's awesome. She had a little pink headband on. She was was rocking it. All right. Dad even had a pink shirt on. He was looking good, okay, all right, with his daughter. And man, he he was overwhelmed. And she's healthy. And mom was healthy. And they're at home today. You know, as, as Chase and I sat there and visited, I um, mean, if you don't know Chase, like Chase is a very reserved guy with his emotions. Like you, you rarely get a smile, but man, in that moment, that boy couldn't stop smiling. He was overwhelmed with joy. And we began talking father to father just about the moments um, post-delivery when Palmer comes into the world. And the doctors gave him um, the privilege, like a lot of dads have gotten, to carry out Palmer to their family, the rest of their family, to kind of go, this is our daughter, and, and we are excited about that. And uh, I actually, through the power of Facebook, and I got permission, or through the power of Facebook, I got a picture of, of proud Papa Chase and his daughter Palmer, and I thought I'd share it with you guys today. Uh, man, isn't that awesome? Okay, man, Daddy's proud. He's got his little hospital gown on, Palmer's rocking the, uh, the little toboggan thing going on there, and uh, then it's like the paparazzi of family all around. It's like, phones out, take pictures, take pictures, and uh, man, they, they look awesome. They're doing great. You know, I wasn't there for that moment. I didn't make it to the hospital for that moment. But as I talked to Chase and just, man, saw the joy in him, um, I don't know what he said, but I have a really good idea. I probably know what he was thinking. And he was going, man, this is my child. And I love her. And with her, I'm very, very pleased. See, that's, that's the power of baptism. That's the picture here in Luke 3. Then in one of Jesus' most public moments of obedience to God the Father's plan, he walked out faithfully. Let's be honest. Of all people, 
Jesus didn't have to be baptized. He was the, he was the savior of the world. Like he came to rescue us. But he longed so much to walk in obedience to God the Father's plan for him and for all of humanity that he walked it out faithfully. And then God the Father was so pleased, so pleased that he responded by going, that's my son. And I love him. And with him, I am very pleased. See, baptism reminds us of who we belong to, of who we belong to. And Paul says this in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. He says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. There's where the relationship begins, through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. And now there's not two groups. There's neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ and you've identified with Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. You're part of the family. And now you're heirs according to the promise. See, that's the picture of baptism, that when you are raised out of the water and your story is told that you're raised out in a picture of victory over sin and death and hell and the grave and that Jesus reigns supremely in your life. And in that moment, you're reminded that it's not just Jesus that gets to call God Father, but now you get to call him Abba, Daddy, and Father. And that there's a promise, Galatians just said, there's a promise for you as a child of God that there's an eternal inheritance available to you. That there's joy, there's significance being a child of God. See, baptism is not just an act, but man, it's a picture, it's a symbol, it's an obedient step to remind us and everybody around us who we belong to. So here's my question to you today, church, that really only you can answer. What's keeping you from being obedient to take your next step of faith through baptism? What's holding you back? And the truth is that, man, we have a lot of different things that distract us from obedience in a lot of different areas of life. And maybe for some of you, baptism is one of those. And maybe you've got some real legit concerns and some real legit questions. Maybe for some of you, you're going like, man, I'm just waiting on the right time. Like, man, schedule's been crazy. It's just never worked out. And it's been months or years or whatever. Can I, can I tell you something? Coming up in just a little over a month, we're going to have our next baptism celebration in our house in October. I mean, we would love, we would love to answer any questions and concerns you have to help you be a part of that next step. For some of you today, maybe you go, you know what? Like, it's just some family pressure. And hear me, like, I understand that for some of you, that's very real. That there's some, maybe some pressure from your family. And you have concerns about what would they think or what would they say? I don't know how they would react. So I want to give you some encouragement, okay? Not from me, but from, from God's words to us through Jesus. Look at Luke chapter 18, verse 28. Jesus says, he says, Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. Okay. I know that the stress and the pressure of what might mom and dad say or your siblings or your grandparents or what might friends say. But can I tell you something? 
and the joy and the significance of being obedient if God is calling you is so much greater. It's so much greater to walk that out. For some of you, you would say, like, you know what, I'm just, I'm just not quite ready. I'm just not really there yet. And to you, I would just say, man, if you're ready to claim to be a follower of Christ, if you're ready to claim to be a Christian, then you're ready for baptism. That's the qualification right there. For some of you, <clears throat> maybe you would say, you know what, it's been, it's been a long time. Like, it's probably been too long since I first started the relationship with Jesus, man. Like, I'm now decades removed from that decision. Can I say something to you? Man, finish the deal. Finish the deal. It's been, it's been one of the joys of my life to watch over the last five years is I've watched senior adults throughout our congregation go, man, it's time for me to finish the deal. It's time for me to make a next step. And I've watched grandmothers and grandfathers step into the water and be an incredible demonstration of God's faithfulness to generations behind them. To go, I want to be obedient to the last step. Some of you, maybe you'll say this, you know what? I was baptized. I was baptized, but I didn't really understand. Maybe today has been like a clarification day for you where you're like, man, when I was a kid or when I was a teenager, like, I didn't understand this. And here's the deal, man, in my role, man, I encountered tons of people, tons of people in, in our Bible Belt culture who were baptized as a child or maybe as a student, but they never really understood. Maybe there was some family pressure to do so. Maybe all their friends were doing it, but it was never really an obedient step that they took on their own to signify real life change that was happening in them. And here's the counsel that I give them, okay? The counsel I give them is, that's really the only opportunity where I will think about walking you into the water again. Because if you didn't really understand, then you cannot fully celebrate and remember what you didn't really understand. And so if that's you and maybe you're struggling, you're going like, man, there was a moment where I took that next step. But I mean, I was five and I didn't know or I was 12. And man, there was no real life change in me. I, but, I, but since then, man, I've come to the place of knowing Jesus, and now I know I'm in a relationship with him, and I'm trying to grow every day, and I want to get this thing in order, then, man, we would love to talk with you and help you take that next step of baptism. For some of you, you would, maybe if you're honest, you go, you know what? Uh, I'm not real sure about the whole underwater deal. Like, don't y'all, y'all do the full immersion in the water? Yes, we do, because it's the full picture of being buried with Christ and being raised back. All right, and when you, when you die, they don't just sprinkle dirt on you. Okay, they, they fully bury you in the ground. So that's how we believe the Bible teaches it. And some of you, you have real concerns. You're like, I just don't know about the water. All right, I don't know about getting in, not in front of everybody. Listen to me. Man, we heat that thing up. It's about 98 degrees when you get in. Okay, it is, it is nice, all right? And here's the deal. We, we won't hold you under very long, and I've only dropped one guy in five years. <laughs> and we got him out. It was, it was close, but we got him out. No, listen, in all seriousness, you don't have to be able to swim. You just have to be obedient. You just have to be obedient. And finally, for some of you today, maybe you would lay this out, and you'd go, you know what, man, you were talking to me a while ago. I was, I was sprinkled or... I had, I had an experience when I was an infant. And can I say something to you? Man, that's great. I pray that you always remember that declaration of your parents. But now that that relationship is yours, now that it's something that you own, man, why not follow Jesus in believer's baptism and make that declaration right before God and all those that are around you? What's holding you back? from taking that next step of baptism.
Because can I be honest with you? I mean, if it's really hard for you to be obedient and one of the most basic steps of faith to follow and trust Jesus, then you have to wonder, man, how difficult is it going to be for me to do something that's much more difficult that God may call me to do one day? See, throughout this series, we've been asking and trying to answer the now what questions of following Jesus. And I think today, maybe for many people in the house, the answer to your now what question is that it's time for you to take your relationship with Jesus from a place of personal to a place of public and to declare, I'm new in Jesus. And he's redeemed and he's restoring his purposes and his plans in me. And for you to begin to know the joy and the power of publicly identifying as a child of God and to hear the promise of God the Father say, that's my child. And I love him. And with their obedience, I am very pleased. Thanks again for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange or to find out how you can connect with or support what God is doing, visit www.theexchange.cc. Now go, be the church, and give life.